Aren't you thankful for his presence? Amen. Okay, three of you are. Let's try it again. Aren't you thankful that he is with us, that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us? If you got your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Romans, uh, chapter 7. Children's Church in Little Sprouts can be dismissed this morning. Romans chapter 7. If you are here and you have children uh, that's age kindergarten or even preschool through uh, fifth grade, we invite you to let them be a part of our children's church in Little Sprouts. Romans chapter 7. We're going to begin reading in verse uh, number 15. Romans chapter 7, verse uh, 15. If it looks like we're a little bit scattered this morning, it's because we are. Um, if it could go wrong, it's went wrong this morning. And uh, uh, we got here and we were fixing to load our songs and load our sermon and everything in the computer and we log in and uh, Y2K happened at 2020. It's 20 years behind, but uh, everything crashed and we had no songs in the database. We had no, nothing was there. Um, and so uh, we scrambled all morning and uh, copy and paste has been our friend and that's how you had lyrics this morning. And I don't know if we just forgot to turn the monitor on for us on stage or if it's not working, one of the two. Either way, it's a blank screen, so we've just laughed about it up here at this point. It's uh, God's still God in spite of all that. Aren't you thankful? Uh, Romans chapter 7 and verse 15. I'm going to skip through some of this today. Uh, if you want to, you can go home and read the whole thing. Uh, but for time's sake, we're just going to read a few verses. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. It says, For that which I do allow, with, let me back up. For that which I do, I allow not. Well, the TV turned on. Okay, I'm just making sure that everybody else heard the music. <laughs> That's great. That sums up the morning right there. Here's the deal. If y'all heard the music with me, it does give me a little bit of comfort that I'm not losing my mind. Okay? Romans 7, verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do do I? Now skip down to verse 18. It says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Verse 24. It says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Verse 25 says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh 
the law of sin. Father, speak to us. Challenge our hearts on this first Sunday morning of a brand new year. Father, in many of our minds, we're setting goals, we're setting paths, we're setting uh, uh, benchmarks that we want to achieve and reach uh, this year. But Father, number one, they have to be according to your will and plan and purpose for our life. Number two, we'll never be able to attain those except through your power working in our life. And I pray this morning that you would challenge us, and that your word would speak to our hearts and it would... Uh, Lord, make a difference in who you've called us to be. And Lord, would you, as we stand on the brink of a new year, it's a clean slate. Father, we're, uh, we've left the, the past behind. You're doing a new thing. We believe that. And so, Father, we ask that uh, you would begin that new work in us even this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. The church said? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. <coughs> Do you want to say again, if this is your first time being here, or you're... You're new here. We are honored that uh, you're with us and uh, want to say just welcome and encourage you to come back and be a part. Uh, this is how my dad used to say it. Uh, we was a country church just like this growing up. And he said, uh, we got, we're country and we got so many ways. Uh, you're bound to like some of them. And so uh, we hope that you do and you, you come back. Uh, it's, uh, it's so good to have you. Uh, 2020, it's a new year, new possibilities, and uh, many of us are probably laying out resolutions to change habits or to create new habits, and, and at the top of that list are things that uh, we're passionate about, okay? And so I want to I drop just some, some books here that maybe if you're serious about that, that you can read in your spare time, and they're not church books, Okay. And uh, you say, well, preacher, you're not, you're not going to give us church. Listen, I believe the word of God is the most important thing that guides our life. But I believe that God equips people that can speak into our life to help uh, make change. And so uh, jot these down if you're interested in changing. The Power of Habits. Um, it's written by Charles Duhigg. D-U-H-I-G-G. Compound Effects is another book by Darren Hardy, and Atomic Habits by James Clear. Those are three books that this past year I've been working on. Because here's what I figured out, and over the next few weeks we're going to lay this out. We are changed, our lifestyle is changed, our life is changed by the habits we have. Whether for the good or for the bad, our life and how we live out our life is based on how we do things habitually. Here's what I've also figured out. We're in the middle of a resolution season and everybody's going to the gym in January and by February it's cleared out and empty. Because people are not willing to make the daily decisions to do daily what needs to be for lifestyle change, for life change. And because of that, they start off good and then they fade out. In the same way, many of you have maybe made a mindset that you're going to read your Bible more this year. You're going to pray more. You're going to witness more. You're going to live for God better than you ever have. And I'm convinced that we can do all those things and that Christ gives us strength to do all those things. But we can never do those things until we change who we are. Because too many times we focus on the doing instead of who we need to become 
to do those things. Here's what I figured out. This is in reading the power of habits. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do every day what some people do occasionally. I tell people all the time, now listen, the elephant's in the room. I know everybody's going to be lined up at the door ready to congratulate me on the Patriots and their season be ending last night. Okay, I get that. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for me to stay in the spirit when y'all do that. Okay. Here's what I know, though. Tom Brady's almost 43 years old. So am I. What's the difference? Tom Brady chooses to do a workout regimen every day to keep him in shape, and I eat Twinkies. That's the difference. Yesterday, I officiated a, a peewee basketball game by default because our officials didn't show up. And I, I began my officiating career yesterday, and I retired from my officiating career yesterday. Uh, Tom Brady gets beat around at 43 by linebackers that are 300 pounds. I just simply ran up and down the court, and I'm probably more sore today than what Tom Brady is last night. Why? Because... He does things daily to make him successful in the career, in the path that he's chosen to go in. And if I wanted to be like Tom Brady, I would have to do those same things. Are you with me? In the same way, if I'm going to be successful financially, I can't just not spend money on, on, on stuff that don't matter one day. I have to make daily decisions that I don't need those things. If I'm going to, to, uh, to have a better marriage, I can't just say, Rachel, I love you 17 times today. I'm going to have to do that tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And also, my actions are going to have to back up what I'm saying daily. You have to do things daily if you're going to be successful. Many of you, many of you are going to say, I want, I want a deeper prayer life. But I just don't have time to pray. Well, this is what I figured out. Learning from Jesus. Jesus recognized he needed to pray. Now here, let me help you. Stop right there. If Jesus needed to pray, you and I need to pray. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Because I picked up a lunch and a loaf of bread before. And I do good to feed the people in my house, much less 5,000. Okay, you with me? I ain't Jesus. And if Jesus had to pray... I need to pray. And Jesus could have said, I'm busy. I'm doing the Father's work. But instead, the Bible says he went away to a mountain to pray because he recognized the importance of doing these things daily. Paul had a habit or a custom of going to the temple, not just to worship, but to also share with non-believers. Our habits will make us or they'll break us. We become what we repeatedly do. If you repeatedly eat Twinkies, you're going to look like a Twinkie. Man, when I was 20, I could eat anything I wanted. I could do anything I wanted. And I still weighed 145. I'm a lot bigger than that now. 
My niece told me that yesterday, <laughs> 20 years later. Because I need too many Twinkies. Our habits will break us or they'll make us. We become what re we repeatedly do. Many of you are making new plans, New Year's resolutions. Here's what I figured out. Statistics tell us 92% of those resolutions won't last. How many has ever made a resolution, had good intentions in January, and then it fell through? Still eating Twinkies. The truth is, every one of us struggles. We want to make life change. We want to do better. And yet we struggle. And so when what we read here today in the text, I know that's hard to read. It's, it's old English and it's hard. So uh, I, I looked it up again in the New Living Translation. I want to read it to you out of that just for clarity this morning. Verse 15 of, of Romans 7 says, I don't really understand myself. For what I want, I want to do what's right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Now listen. I'm just, this is just self-deprecating, okay, so it doesn't hurt anybody else. I know. Listen, if Twinkies can last on a shelf for like 20 years, it's probably not good for your body. I know that. And yet, my mother-in-law has a box of Twinkies. In the cupboard just for me. And I know what it does. And yet I go in there. And get it. The things I want to do. I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do. That's what I end up doing. I do what I hate. I use the Twinkie. Because that makes us. Yeah, it's, it's funny to make fun of the fat preacher. Here listen to me. How many of us have habits that we're trying to break? Attitudes that we're trying to break? Mentalities that we're trying to break? And yet we struggle because the things, we know what's right. We know we need to do better. We know the changes we need to make, but we struggle with that. In fact, we almost do the opposite of what we're trying to change. He said, I do what I hate. Then in verse 18, he said, I want to do what's right. But I can't. I want to do what's right, but I can't. Then verse 19, he says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody else struggle with that sometimes? <laughs> Man, I wake up. I have to, listen, school starts back this week. There was a collective gasp from the front row. And there's mornings that I tell myself, I'm going to be the most energetic, the most exciting, the most positive influence in these kids' life. And by 9.15, they've lost their mind and I'm losing mine. Come on, somebody. Now listen, y'all laugh. But there's you made no say, I'm going to do better today. I'm going to make better choices today. I'm going to have a better attitude today. And by 9.15, 
It's out the window. I want to be what's good, but I don't. I don't want to be what's wrong, but I do it anyway. We struggle with it. And verse 24 says, Oh, what a miserable person that I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Anybody feel like you're in that circle? That struggle? The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I won't, don't want to do, I keep falling back into. What can help me? What a miserable person that I am. I got help for you this morning. Verse 25 says, the answer is in Jesus Christ. You can't do it on your own. You can't change life on your own. It's not by your will. Thank God the answer is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to his power working in your life. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Stop eating the junk food. Stop procrastinating. Stop overspending at Target and Walmart. Instead, make up your mind that through the help and the grace of God, you're going to make positive life change this year to be a better follower of Christ, to be a better person, to reflect and be the, the image and the likeness of Christ to people that don't believe. You've got to make up your mind. You've got to ask God to give you the strength and the help that you need. Why do we generally fail? one, jot this down. We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. Most of us have similar goals. If I went around the room, most of us would say, I want to live healthier. If you're struggling with, you know, being overweight, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, blah, blah, blah. You want to live healthy. Many of us probably say, I want to be better or more financially responsible. I want to do a better job. I want to do a better job of managing my finances. I want to be a giver. I want to, I want to give above my time. I want to do more. Many of us in here would say, I, I want to enjoy life. I want to enjoy my kids. I want to enjoy family. I want, I want to, you know, I want to just enjoy life. I don't want to just go through the motions of life. I want to enjoy life. Here's what I know. I've seen you nodding because we all have similar goals. I want to serve God better. I know we almost all of us say that, don't we? I want to serve God better. I want to see a difference. In my community, in my county, in my world, that, that God's given me influence. I want to make a difference. Here's what I figured out. Winners and losers, successful and unsuccessful, they all have similar goals. Every sports team sets out the season and they have the mindset that they're going to contend for the championship. They do. They're getting paid big bucks, and they don't say, I want to finish in last place. I want to make $17,000 million. I don't even know what that number is, but uh, I'm going to make all this money sitting on the bench. They don't want to, they, they want to be in, they want to play. And when they play, they want to win. 
And they have the mindset every time they take the field that they're going to win. Do they win? Not always. Especially if you're the Cowboys. Oh, side note, uh, you got to know in my house, there's there's somebody who likes the Cowboys. And the Cowboys, he had something in common with the Cowboys. They sat home last night and watched the Patriots in the playoffs. Okay. I, I felt Jesus all up in that. Every sports team that we had, they set out the season with the same goal, the same mindset. But some are willing to work a little harder and do a little more. Some of you say, you see people that's been married and they got a great marriage and maybe uh, I want to be like that. Nobody ever sets out on their wedding day and says, till death do we part, and then goes home and says, hope this works out. They have the mindset that it's going to work. What makes it work? Sometimes people are willing to work a little harder. Do a little more. Well, y'all were shouting when I was preaching on the Cowboys. <laughs> and then I mentioned real life stuff and shoo, like the, it's a vacuum in there. Goals don't determine success. Everybody has goals. Goals do not determine your success. Systems and work ethic determines success. You don't rise to the level of your goals. James Clear writes in his book. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Stay with me for a second. You say, preacher, you're preaching pop psychology. No. Listen to me for a second. We talk about Daniel. And we want to have the faith of Daniel. That even in the den of lions... We're going to stand for God. Daniel didn't get there because he had faith. Daniel had faith because he prayed three times a day. There was a system in place with Daniel that said, I'm going to pray to God. Even when culture and the kingdom and the law is coming down that says, I can't pray, I'm still going to pray three times a day. You don't arrive one day, suddenly wake up, and have just all this faith. There has to be a system in your life. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. You've got to get the Word of God inside your life. You've got to figure out a system. Daniel didn't get there except for the system of praying to God three times a day. There's a system. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Goals don't determine success in life. Your systems do. We think we need to change the results. Instead of saying I need to lose 50 pounds, we say I need to lose 20 pounds because that's more attainable. I'm not going to say I'm going to get my whole house organized. I'm just going to say I'm going to get one room organized. And yet we're still doing the wrong things. We're focusing on the what and not focusing on how do we get there. Because I don't care if you say I'm going to lose 50 pounds, 20 pounds, 10 pounds, 5 pounds. If you keep eating Twinkies, you ain't going to lose weight. Good preaching, preacher. You're right. I'll go back and watch this for me later, okay? 
We need to change systems that determine our success. If I'm going to lose weight, got to change the way I eat. Got to change what I eat. I got to change how much I eat. By golly, I like to eat. So I got to work on that. If I'm going to be more organized and I'm going to say I'm going to get get a, get my house organized and I'm going to start with one room and get that organized, I can't just say I'm going to get, I have to quit. I got to quit hoarding stuff. Man, I felt Jesus in that. I got to keep piling stuff up. I got I to gotta go through some stuff and determine what I got to get rid of. Because when I fix what I do, the outcome fixes itself. I want to be a better witness. I want to be a better witness for Christ. Well, then you got to spend time in the Word knowing what the Word of God says and how we can be witnesses. you got to spend time in prayer allowing the Holy Spirit to empower you to become His witnesses. got to fix what we do. We can't just set goals. Goals is not determined by, don't determine our success. Systems determine our success. Number two, here's why we quit. We don't see progress fast enough. We don't see progress fast enough. How many have done this? I started exercising. And I've, exercised, I've ran on the treadmill three times this week, and instead of losing weight, I gained weight. Number one, quit determining your health based solely on a number on a scale. Oh, I felt Jesus in that. Number two, muscle is heavier than fat, and so you're turning the Twinkies into something that you should have been doing a long time ago, okay? We don't see success fast enough. The reason that people quit in February and don't continue their gym membership is because they didn't see fast enough results in January. I mean, we've spent 18 years getting to this spot and we expect in 18 days everything to change and us to look like the people on TV. I do look like people on TV. It's just different shows than probably what you're watching. <laughs> Never mind. You've got to keep, when we don't see the progress, we got to keep going. We set out, I'm going to read, I'm going to read my devotion. We start out in January. I love, I love people who in January have determined they're going to read the Bible. And they, and this is what they say. Because the preacher just said it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And then on the way to church, on day five of the new year, you've got five days of the word in you. And yet the kids drove you nuts on the way here. And you yelled at your kids all the way to church. And you say, well, this Bible reading stuff ain't helping. Because we don't see change fast enough. We wrongly conclude that small, good decision don't matter much. 
We wrongly conclude that if we make small good decisions, it doesn't matter. If we skip church one weekend, it won't matter. If we, if we, I don't know if we struggle with this, but there, there's people my generation and younger that are in marriages and listen, I like video games, but I think at some point you got to quit playing video games four hours an evening. Anyway, that's, and this is what we say. Hey, no big deal. I played video, I played whatever they played. For four hours, my wife's still here. No big deal. Or I eat half a box of chocolates. I can't really tell it's made a difference. Honey, you keep eating those half a box of chocolates, you're going to be a crate of chocolates. What you're going to be, okay? You're going to wrongly conclude that small good decisions don't matter. Let me tell you, every big decision is based on small decisions that lead to big life change. We also wrongly conclude that small bad decisions don't matter that much. Our life is a sum total of all the small decisions we make, whether it's good or whether it's bad. We've got to make sure that we are making good decisions, that we are living for God. That Listen, li this is what, there's a, there's a verse in the Old Testament said it's the, Little foxes that spoil the vine. What that, that means is, is there's there you can do little things that you think's not big things and nobody knows and nobody sees, but if you do that over a period of time, it spoils the vine, it robs the harvest that God has for you. Small bad decisions rarely wreck life at once. But over time they add up. But if you work hard and you're disciplined. And you make sacrifices and you're faithful. I'm also convinced those small good decisions pay off in your life. Here's what I've also figured out. Water doesn't automatically hit boiling. It just keeps getting hotter. Keeps getting hotter. 80 degrees is warm water. 140 is pretty warm. 205 is hot. 211 is really hot, but it's still not boiling. Now, look, after we've been in heaven for a long time, I'm just going to pull God to the side and say, why did you pick 212 to be the boiling point for water? Because if I'm God, I'm a round number guy. I like 200, 250, 212. Why'd you do that? 211, it's hot, but it's not boiling. You got to keep turning the heat to it until you see the bubbles. <laughs> Mom, how do I know when the water's boiling? When you see the bubbles. In the same way, too many of us are wanting to reach a boiling spot in our life in whatever goal we're trying to reach, and yet we're not willing to pay the price and keep putting the heat and keep working to reach that goal. You may be really close. You may be at 211 don't stop. Keep putting the effort and the work in to reach your goal. Now, preacher, how does that relate to our Christian life? Some of y'all are wanting to pray for 45 minutes. You think it's really going to change your life, but you ain't prayed longer than five minutes. Well, here's what's going to happen. 
You're going to be like the people at the gym. You're going to take off trying to pray 45 minutes. You're going to burn out real fast. And in less than a week, you're going to say, what's the point? I can't do it. So maybe five minutes. And then maybe later on, we're praying six or seven minutes. And then 10. And then 20. And then 40. Oh, preacher. Preacher. I don't have time for that. Here's what I've also figured out. We really are convinced that we need a lot of rest. And we lay in bed. Probably longer than we should. Don't raise your hand. We're going to look guilty. But how many of you set an alarm in the morning? There's an alarm going to go off. And you know already right now, nearly 24 hours ahead of time, that you're going to hit the snooze button two, three, four, seventeen times. Yeah, you, I felt Jesus in that too. We say we don't have time. The problem is, is we've allowed the flesh to convince us we don't have time, and yet we do have time if we'll just... Now listen... I realize, now if you said you, if you hit the snooze nine times, nine times nine is, my snooze is on at nine minutes. So that's 81 minutes. So for an hour and a half nearly, you're hitting a snooze button. So if you've got to be up at six, your alarm's going off at nearly 4.30, 4.45. Okay, I get, I get that, I get that. And I don't think you're going to make the jump from six o'clock getting up to 4.45 getting up overnight. But maybe you could start at 5.45 instead of 6 and pray 15 minutes. And then next week, it's 5.30 to 6. And then next week, it's 5.15 to 6. And the next week, it's 5 to 6. All of a sudden, you're praying 45 minutes in an hour, and you're still getting more sleep than when your alarm first went off. Here's what I've also figured out. If we spend that time in prayer, we're going to feel better rested. We're going to feel better prepared for the day. We're going to, mm, I feel Jesus. You can't get there overnight, but if you'll keep making progress, God will do, you're, you're a sum total of the small decisions that you make. A lot of people see your life or they see other people's lives, especially in this social media world, and we base our life and our failures and frailties and insecurities based on somebody else's filtered image and life on social media. What you may not see in somebody else's life is they're struggling with self-doubt just like you are. What you may not see is they failed and had to start again. What you may not see when you see their success is the nights that they've prayed and they've cried because they don't think they're going to make it. What you may not see is that they've endured criticism for steps that they've taken. The small decisions that they've made to try to make their life better, people don't understand. And what we don't understand, we criticize. They don't see the early mornings or the late nights. They just see certain things and they want to tear it apart. You keep on making the small decisions to reach the goals that God's placed in your life.
They don't see that persistence. They don't see the private price that you've had to pay. They don't see the small, consistent disciplines, the small decisions that you've had to make day after day after day. It's the things that no one sees that brings the results that everybody wants. just a, three or four years ago came to me and it, I, it was a weird feeling he said pastor I want to be I want everything that you got I want to be just like you number one set your goals a little bit higher but then number two I looked at him and I said no you really don't he said oh yeah You've got a great church, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. God's really blessed you. You've got a good family. God's blessed you. Your kids, your, your wife, everything's great. I was like, okay, hold on. Are you willing to go preach 10 miles off the dirt road to seven people? Are you willing to wear vehicles out? Are you willing to drive home late on a Sunday night to be at, at a job at 6 o'clock on Monday morning? Oh, uh, 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 uh. Are you willing to go and, and put $100 and spend $100 in gas and not get a love offering at all? Are you willing to go past your church that's got 12 people in the buildings falling apart for nothing? Are you willing to endure people criticizing you, your ministry efforts, your church, when it begins to grow because they don't understand and we, we criticize what we don't understand and they criticize your doctrine, they criticize your theology, you must be preach, pre preaching new age stuff, you must be, you're not, you really sold, you're not sold out to the, the true gospel because if you was, you wouldn't be having that many people in your church. Are you willing to endure that? The things that no one sees brings the results everybody wants. What they don't see is what sets you apart. Anybody who set goals, who's going to pay the price? Galatians 6 9 reminds us not to grow weary in well doing. For in due season, we'll reap a harvest. Number three. Our distorted identity sabotages our success. Now, what's that mean? The enemy always tells you what you're not. God knows all your failures, but he calls you by your name. The enemy knows your name and calls you by all your failures. And because... We allow the enemy to get up in our ear and tell us what we're not. Immediately, we can connect our identity to what we're not. And we spend a lot of time and effort trying to overcome what we're not. You're not pretty enough. You're not 
not skinny enough, not smart enough, you don't work hard enough, you didn't do it right, you're not good at that, why do you keep trying? did bad, it suddenly becomes, you are bad. Here's what I figured out by walking through the scripture. There's a lot of people God used that they'd listen to the enemy. There's a lot of things that wouldn't happen in the Bible. Moses wasn't a good speaker. In fact, he stuttered. There's hope for me yet. He stuttered, and yet God used Moses to walk into the Pharaoh's palace and not ask in a stuttering way, but to declare, God says, let my people go. God used a coward in Gideon that didn't think he was good enough, strong enough, smart enough. In fact, when, you, when God finds Gideon, he's hiding. God used him and 300 men when he sent everybody else home to conquer the enemy. Paul, throughout his writings, says, I'm the least, I'm the most unworthy. Maybe you have an addictive personality. Maybe you stink at handling money. Maybe right now you're not organized, you're not disciplined, you're not good with people. Then he gets up on your shoulders and tells you every one of those things. Now listen, I used to work in a, in a drug and alcohol treatment center. One of the biggest issues I had is when we had meetings that the clients had to stand up and say, Hi, I'm Jeremy, and I'm an alcoholic, or I'm an addict. Look at it. Bible says we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things become new. That might have been who you used to be. And the enemy may be lying to you and saying that's who you still are. But if God's done a work in you, you're not that anymore. He's able to break the strongholds and the bondage. Come on, somebody. Here's what I figured out, though. When we listen to unhealthy identity features in our ear. We make unwise decisions. When I hear, when I sit there listening to the enemy and, and he says, man, you're getting fat. You know what I do? Eat another Twinkie. <laughs> What's the point? When you hear that you're a failure, what's the point of trying? You know what we do? We quit trying. And suddenly, we believe the lies of the enemy and it's distorted who we see ourselves as. You were created in the image and the likeness of God. And as far as I can tell, 
from the eons of time throughout the he's not failed once. And if you were created in the image and the likeness of God, there's greatness in you. And you're able to rise above your failures. An unhealthy identity creates unwise habits. If I, stay, if I hear somebody say, uh, you spend too much, you listen to that long enough, you're just going to go spend some more. What's the point? Unwise habits then reinforce that unhealthy identity. Your dad was an addict. You're an addict. You'll always be an addict. Your kids are going to be an addict. Your dad was abusive. You're abusive. Your, your kids are growing up in abuse. That's the way it's going to be. Listen, I, there was this teaching 20 years ago talking about generational curses. Listen up here. Determine today this is where the generation it stops in. Determine today that this is the generation that it stops in. I'm going to quit listening to the lies of the enemy that tells me that's the way I'm always going to be. Instead, I'm going to start seeing myself the way Christ sees me. That I'm able to do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That, that I'm able to overcome. That I'm, a, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. That I'm the head and not the tail. I'm blessed and cannot be cursed. Come on, somebody. Encourage yourself in the Lord. When the enemy gets up in your ear and tells you who you are, say, no, I'm adopted. I'm chosen. I've been selected by the most. I'm a child of the most. Most time God. Created in his image and his likeness. Quit listening to the lies of the enemy. Quit listening to the lies of people around you that says you're always going to be this. Say, no, that's who I used to be. But Christ is doing a work in me. So, I want to encourage you today not to focus on what you're going to do this year. I want you to focus on who you're going to become this year. Maybe you're going to say, I'm going to, be a, I'm going to be a man or woman of God. I'm going to be a godly husband, a godly wife. I'm going to be a bold witness in my classroom. I'm going to be a bold witness on my job site. Maybe for some of you, some of you it's going to be, I'm going to stay sober. I'm going to stay clean. Others, you maybe you're going to say, I'm going to be financially free. I'm going to, I'm going to get to where I can be generous in my giving. Some of you others... Are going to, you're wanting to lose weight? Stop focusing on the stuff, the do. Focus on the who. I'm going to be a healthy person. Start declaring that over your life. Our identity shapes our actions. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do. You know what? Going back to Tom Brady since it's just in the room still. You know what Tom Brady doesn't do? Tom Brady in his entire career has rushed for like 140-something yards. Tom Brady does not run. He's got running backs to do that. He throws the ball to receivers who do that. He knows who he is, and he does what he's supposed to do. Figure out who you are this morning and who God's called you and created you to be. And then boo-boo, stay in your lane. Quit focusing on everybody else and their stuff. Some of y'all fell asleep. You're back.
pen. This is in my head, not in my notes. Here we go. Some of you are trying to quit smoking. And so you went from smoking, and now you're going to vape because that's going to help you quit smoking. Look up here. You're still smoking. You're just smoking stuff that a chemist has put together in a lab somewhere. But here's what you believe that you are somebody else. No, you're still a smoker. Make sure your actions back up who you say you are. So when somebody offers you a cigarette and somebody offers you a vape, say, no thanks, I'm not a smoker anymore. That's who I was. It's not who I am. Man, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. It's just who I am. Some of y'all say, man, it's just who I am. I'm just trapped in this. It's the way it's always going to be. I'm landing the plane, I promise. In the chapter before in Romans 6, you say, man, I can't relate because I'm just this way it's always going to be. Aren't you thankful that there's people in the Bible who struggle with the same stuff you struggle with? Romans chapter 6 and verse 6, Paul's writing. He says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. It's verse 7. Then in verse 18, it says, Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Look up here and listen to me. If you hadn't listened to anything else I've said all day. You are no, if Christ has set you free, the Bible says you are free indeed. You're no longer a slave to who you used to be. You don't have to keep living like it's always and there's no break. Listen, he's made us a new creature. You're no longer a slave to sin. You become slaves to righteousness, living for Christ. Who am I in Christ? I'm forgiven. I've been redeemed. I've been washed in his blood. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. Why? Because I know who I am this morning. Our identity shapes our actions. As much as an unhealthy identity creates negative and unwise choices, when you know who you are, you can make positive life change. Healthy identity creates positive habits. When you know that you've been redeemed, you know that you've been forgiven. You dig deeper into the word to figure out who you are and what God's got for you. And when you dig into the word and figure out who you are and what God's got for you, all of a sudden it causes your prayer life to tick up. It causes your devotion life to tick up. It causes the fruit of the spirit begin to become more evident in our life. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Know who you are and it'll change what you do. Positive habits reinforce a healthy identity. And here's what... It's a circle effect. The more that I read, the more that I know who I am, the more it wants me, causes me to read. And the more I read, the more I figure out who I am. And the more I figure out who I am, the more I want to learn, the more I want to pray. The more I want to learn and pray, the more I figure out who I am. Get out of the cycle. Get out of the cycle. When you know who you are, 
You know what to do. Let's stand. Before we bow our head and close our eyes, I just want to ask this question. How many of you have things in your life that you want to change in 2020? Just raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if we know we want to make life change, I want to invite you to bow your heads now. How many would say, for too long I've tried to make life change, but i focused on what I need to change. And I'm not focused on who I am. Pastor, I focused on what I need to change too many times. And I failed. And I messed up. And so I've just quit. That's you this morning. Just would you raise your hand up and back down? I want to pray for you. Yeah, me too. This morning. I don't want you to focus anymore on what you need to change. I want you to focus on you and who God's called you to be. Because behind every action that we need to change, there's our personality, there's our identity that drives those decisions. Here's what I've figured out. God's called us to be content. God's called us to be still and know. God has called us to rely on Him, to put our faith and trust in Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, when you started talking about all those, those things that the enemy gets up in our ear, I, I related to that. Not good enough, not smart enough, I'm a failure, messed up. Scars in my life that talks about my failures. I see them all the time. And when I see them, it reminds me that I'm a failure. Listen to me this morning. There's none of us that have failed too far, done too much. Christ isn't able to redeem the hurt and the failure and work a new work in your life. Pastor, I feel this morning. I feel that. I feel that I've listened to the lies of the enemy for too long. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. My, my self-esteem, everything's affected by the lies of the enemy. Nobody's looking. I know it's a hard task right now, but would you simply raise your hand up right back down real quick? Yeah. 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 Here's who you are this morning. You're a child of God. And you were created in His image. In His likeness. He can hang the sun and the moon and the stars in place and cause the earth to spin. He didn't make a mistake when he made you. God's able to take our frailties, our failures, our faults, and he's able to work a good work in that. Here's who you are this morning. You're an overcomer. You can overcome your faults, overcome your failures. You're an overcomer this morning. You're a child of God. You're more than a conqueror. I want to invite you this morning, if you raised your hand or even if you didn't, I want to invite you to find a place to pray. Let's spend some time asking God not to help us make to do things, 
but for God to help us to see ourselves the way he sees us. Let's find out who we are this morning.